0: Welcome to Feel Better with Tara Styles. I'm Tara Styles and welcome to the show. Yay! My goodness, we're here. Today, I'm leaning into the obvious. Thank you so much. I've had the privilege of having some listener topic suggestions and I'm cracking myself up listening and reading these suggestions because they're so obvious <laughs> and not obvious to me. There about yoga, about leading yoga, different topics that really seem to be things that I've been through and guided other people through in my work so far, in my life so far. <laughs> and of course, I also love to talk about other things, life things, <sighs> coming home, building a career, things that are kind of on my mind a lot or have been on my mind. So I really appreciate the uh, listener feedback. This is, as everything is, a together project. So thank you so much for sending in some suggestions. Easy to find me, easy to send in suggestions. Hit me up at info at strawayoga.com. Leave a voice message, please. I love the voice messages on terrastyles.com. And... The social places, of course, although I'm not super great at being ah, connected on social every moment of the day, which I think should be another topic to discuss as we all will really, a lot of us collectively are thrown into this world of social media and all of the pulling and tugging that goes along with that. All right. So today's topic, thank you again so much, is how to stay motivated to do a daily yoga practice and how to stick with that. And really why to stick with that (laughs) is the main question. And secondly, ideas for sequences, for flows, for routines. The question was, how do I come up with variety in what I'm leading every day? On the Strala Yoga app, Strala Home, and really before we had the Strala Yoga app, I was leading also in person pretty much every day somewhere, <laughs> New York or somewhere around the world. So this has been a big part of my life for a long time now. So we'll dive into those two topics: motivation for actually doing the yoga, and then how to perhaps for really anyone listening how to create your own moves. How to sequence moves that feel good in certain ways, accomplish certain types of tasks like minimizing anxiety or feeling invigorated or feeling relaxed or moving certain parts of your body in certain ways to get certain effects like stronger, (laughs) more open a healthy balance between strength and mobility, all these kinds of things. So this is a huge topic for me. I nerd out. I fully love sequencing. And I didn't really realize that I fully love sequencing until several years ago when a lot of the folks in our in-person trainings pointed out to me how excited and animated I get (laughs) when we get to the part in the training where We are designing sequences and working with movement to create feeling. And I love it. I love everything about it. I love the movements. I love the language to create feeling. I love what's not there in the language to create feeling. You can't tell someone how to feel. And if you do, it doesn't always go so well. But you can create so much feeling by guiding someone how to feel, or by simply guiding yourself how to feel, what to do in order to feel. So there's the action that's important, not just never emoting, kind of sitting and, you know, this is why yoga becomes a comedy show so often. The yoga voice, the pretending, the costumes, all of these things. So let's get into it. Firstly, motivation. So I If you don't know, (laughs) I lead a live yoga class every day on Strala Home. StralaHome.com is the web version. Strala Yoga, the app, wherever you get your fancy apps these days. And I do this for myself and I do this for people. And I love it. And I've always loved the daily practice of just, uh, just do it. and. I've learned that how you're doing your yoga really makes a difference in whether you want to do it, whether you're feeling this, oh, yes, I, I'm, I'm rushing, I'm swiftly and calmly moving to my yoga practice every day. I'm so excited to do it, or, oh, I know I should be doing this yoga practice, I know I'm going to feel better afterwards, but I just don't feel like it right now. So I believe there isn't really a secret trick in motivating yourself. It's really interesting, this culture of find your why, find your motivation. Those exercises are super useful for sure in directing yourself toward What you want to do and how you want to spend your time, where your distractions are, and how you can navigate and swish yourself in the directions you'd like to go. But so much of returning back again and again and again and again and again and again again for forever to something is how it makes you feel. Not only after you're done, oh, I'm so glad I got that over with because now I'm reaping these benefits, but before and also during. So I feel like I got really lucky in figuring out myself, hooking up with Mike and Sam Berlin, my raw ideas of, I want my yoga practice. I want the things that I do to feel good while I'm doing them. I suppose I'm kind of wired in that way. If something's not fun for me, this sounds so bratty, but it's really true for all of us. If something's not fun, you don't want to do it. (laughs) You don't end up doing it for that long. You quit or you find something else that's more fun, more enjoyable for you in this phase of your life. So for me, looking back, I suppose I've always looked for in one way or another things that were enjoyable for me. And that doesn't mean that all forms of yoga are enjoyable for me or for anybody. When I first started exploring yoga, I I learned, oh my gosh, there's a plethora of yoga styles out there. And some make you feel good, some make you feel bad, some make you feel bad on purpose, so you feel good later. (laughs) And everything really in between. And that's a whole other topic about what's actually good for you, what's actually not helpful for you from a stress level, from a tension-inducing level, these kind of things. So maybe an easy comparison, and this is something we talk about a lot in our Strala programs, why it feels so good to move in the way that, that we move. And there's this tricky thing called cortisol. <laughs> and I'm sure you've heard of it. If you're listening to this podcast, you've probably listened to and learned and teaching something about well-being or something like that. And even if not, cortisol has been on the doctor shows and all of these things. It's the it's the feeling of the stress, right? It's that chemical, you know, nerdy thing that we can say, oh, stress, cortisol. Yeah, I got it. So, what happens when you do a workout that's stress inducing? And this gets tricky because a workout itself doesn't equal the stress. It's how you are in the workout, in the movement, in the yoga that equals the stress. So, for example, if you were doing a high intensity interval training workout and If you're doing it on your own and you're in this mindset of, oh, I have to do this because I need to burn these calories. I hate myself. I need to escape my body. If that's the feeling that it's giving you, after that's over, you're going to feel that stress response. So, incredibly, (laughs) what's the actual result of that is you feel. Like doing something probably not so good for yourself afterward. The cycle of punishment and reward is enhanced during that kind of feeling. So the workout became the punishment, and the reward becomes oh, now I deserve to go and distract myself for three hours, whatever that is. I did this hard thing. Now I can go and eat something that I know isn't good for me, but I kind of earned it. So I'm burning these calories, kind of calories in, calories out. Horrible cycle of stress as well. You know, reducing our food to numbers. Reducing anything to numbers, no good. You can do that same workout, the same set of movements. (sighs) You can move from your middle. You can let your breath move you. You can push yourself right to the edge of what's possible without a panic. And if you feel that panic coming on, you can ah, back off a little bit. Okay, I need to chill a bit. I need to reposition myself. Then when you feel all right, you come back into it. So it's not fair to demonize high-intensity workout, yoga workout, bad relaxing yoga, good. (laughs) It's not that simple. You can do a relaxing yoga class in the most stressful way. You've probably experienced this. It's really cool to have this way of moving through anything as your secret weapon or your secret power because you're able to do a lot more. And the individual instructors aren't making and breaking your whole experience, (sighs) which is really fun. I tell this story so often, but it's a really good example. I got to do a CrossFit class years ago, working with Reebok. And I know I'm not the biggest, the strongest. I'm not gonna win the CrossFit international competition, (laughs) nor do I wanna point my energy there but I know I can move myself in a beautiful way. I know that I can do anything really within reason and not stress myself out. So I approached the class like that and I had a lot of fun. I did the same thing in a Spartan race. I do the same thing if my friend Sandrine from Paris comes to New York and says, oh, there's 10 crazy fitness classes I want to go and try. I go and try them with her. She loves it. She's Miss Fitness, for sure, and Miss Yoga, for sure. She's amazing. But these aren't things that I'm drawn to naturally, but I can go and take a high-intensity interval training boot camp class in a heated room with ankle weights and, you know, things that are just outside of what I normally spend my time doing. And it's fine. And it doesn't matter if the instructor is yelling at everybody. Not too many instructors really do that anymore. It used to be more popular, but now there's a real, thankfully, positive reinforcement, community, positive, you can do it. I think we're getting back to Richard Simmons' (laughs) mindset, thankfully. The yelling isn't so prevalent anymore. But even if it was there, I know how to manage myself, so I'm cool. Now, I'm not going to go and do that every day because I don't enjoy it. It's not fun for me. It's not to say that those classes are bad or good. They're just not something that's pulling my interest. (laughs) I love what I do. I love strala yoga. I love Tai Chi. I love going for walks. I love hiking. I love getting in the boat and canoeing around. You know, things like this are fun for me. But knowing how to move myself in a beautiful way also protects me from being sucked into a bad way of moving, an unproductive way of moving. Even if I'm in a class and the teacher is screaming and and teaching something that isn't technically safe or whatever it is, I don't have to panic. I don't have to do it and hurt myself. I can... Move myself as best as I can, allow my breath to move me. And then after it's over, wow, I feel better. <laughs> I don't feel the same as if I did a, a yoga class of my own or with another Strala guide, but I feel okay. And I feel kind of proud that I've completed the thing. So coming back to this motivation question, I know before I practice that I'm going to feel better not just after, but also during. And I think there's a real secret in that to how you do your own practice, whether you're doing yoga with us on the Strala Yoga app or you're doing your own practice, you're doing a practice with really anyone else. How you move is really protection against all the nonsense that you might find (laughs) that you don't resonate with. If that makes sense, things don't bother you as much if you have a real solid way to take care of you. And this translates everywhere. I can walk into a grocery store and see somebody being frustrated over something or getting into a little cart war, or whatever it is, and I can help in some way because I feel stable in myself. And I feel and think that this is a lot to do with how I practice yoga (laughs) because it's the only consistency I've had in my life for the last 20 years. A A lot has changed. A lot will always change, but that stayed the same. So you really need a practice. It's essential to feeling stable. It's essential to being well. You can go through life and not have a practice. But you'll be much more fulfilled if you do. So maybe that's useful with motivation. And then Deepak, of course, I have always some Deepak wisdom. (laughs) There was an interview I think it was Good Morning America or something that I got to come with him. It was to promote this app that we had created together. It was really his app, but I was doing yoga on it. So he graciously brought me along with him. And this was before apps, really. It was kind of, (laughs) I didn't know what an app was back then. And you could log on and do yoga with me and do meditations with Deepak and go through really all of yoga and uh, a nice meditation series and the app was called Authentic Yoga with Deepak Chopra and Tara Styles. I think my name was in there somewhere. <laughs> and it was really cool. And I'm really grateful, of course, for all the opportunities. But this one really sticks out in me. The interviewer in Good Morning America said, how does somebody stay motivated to do yoga? And it was the same question. And he's so good. He He Almost interrupted. He is a very good way of listening, but also giving this anticipation of correction. In let me explain to you how we can really sustain something beautiful for yourself. And he said, "No, no, no. Motivation is when you feel like you need to do something out of fear, because if you don't, something bad might happen. And inspiration." is when you feel like doing something because you know something beautiful will happen. And you didn't quite say it just like that, but I really love that. And it's just semantics at the end of the day, motivation and inspiration, but really there's energy behind those words. So I would guide you to... Do the thing that you do to take care of yourself in a way that it actually feels good. And this is a challenge. It can be so hard to do anything besides sitting on the couch in a way that feels good. But once you start (sighs) moving from your middle, softening yourself, let your breath move you, get yourself in the right body position, then hey, everything starts to feel better. Sensations are present and okay and interesting. Pain becomes something separate of sensation that you're more experienced because you have the sensations and you're able to recognize them. When you experience pain, oh, I need to back off a little bit. There's joint pain here. I'm pushing too far into my body. My mind can't quite handle this. I need to back off a little bit, calm down. And when I feel better, I go back in. This is how we expand what's possible. Expanding the comfort zone. I love thinking about myself as in the middle of a sphere. And when I do what's possible without a panic, that sphere expands expanding what's possible big inhale creates more room exhale moves you and moves you right in and we all can do this it takes practice in order for this to get comfortable in order for this to become the new normal, but if you're interested, give it a try. Let me know how it goes. And if you've been doing it for a while, let someone else know how it goes. Share the IP, (laughs) share the wisdom of softness. You can walk into a room and sit down next to someone and practice taking good care of yourself next to them. And maybe they'll ask, hey, what do you do to take care of yourself? It seems to be working. <laughs> so be open to sharing as well. Next topic of flows or sequences. Again, I love. And it took me a while to connect the dots back to my education in movement. Really, when I started learning about yoga and then also sharing yoga, I really rejected a pose as an endpoint. I said, This is not possible. (laughs) This does not exist anywhere in the universe. There are no endpoints. So if there are no endpoints, but there are forms, you've got your warrior two, your low lunge, your high lunge. All of the in-between is not transitions. I reject the transition (laughs) as well. Everything is moving towards somewhere else. And there's emphases and there's rests and there's rhythm guided by your breath if you pause for a moment, that says something. If you don't pause, that also says something that leads to feeling. So there's a lot to it, but really the basics of creating a flow, at least how we do this with Strala, is looking at all of our movements like a vocabulary, a vocabulary of movement. You've got your alphabet, right? You've got your A through Z, your Z through A. And you take those letters and those make words. You take those words and those make sentences. And once you learn how to read and write and speak for a while, you can write stories. You can write a paragraph. You can write a chapter. You can play with those words to create feeling. And the feeling arises. Out of the arrangement of the words. So with yoga, it's really similar. When you look at movement as vocabulary, you start to kind of back away from the mundaneness and the sort of flatness of what pose should I do before the next pose to lead up to the next pose. Of course, At least I would never start a class with something that you would need to essentially move your body a whole lot before to do. So taking all of that off the table, the obvious things warm up in order to do that. I wouldn't start a class with a dancer pose, but I suppose you could start standing. (sighs) Shift your weight to one side, catch your foot behind you, relax easy. Gently press your foot in toward your hand, opposite arm stretches up. You don't need to go very high, but you're moving in that direction. So you technically could start a class with a dancer pose. When moving well is the goal, so much more becomes possible. Because doing the pose, at least the version of the pose that you think you should be doing, you're not just trying to arrange your body into a shape. Yoga has shapes, but it's not about making shapes. It's about connecting with you through all of these different beautiful ways you can move your body. This is why yoga is amazing. You can stand on two feet. You can stand on all fours. You can stand on one foot. You can stand on your hands. (laughs) You can roll around. You can have one foot on the ground, one knee on the ground. It's like Twister. You can really go anywhere. So what guides my sequencing, of course, are the same principles that guide my movement and my whole practice. First, softness. Breath-body connection. This takes care of your metronome, by the way, your rhythm. You don't need to go faster or slower. You follow the breath, your breath. Inhale lifts you. Exhale relaxes you. This guides the direction you're moving as well. So an inhale takes you up or up and back. An exhale takes you downward or downward and forward. And you can stay and hold a position without having this every inhale moves you one way, every exhale moves you the next way. You don't need to make a big movement with every inhale and every exhale repeatedly. Eventually, you'll get dizzy and need off that ride. (laughs) So you can stay. In a position, but the same rules apply. The same principles apply. Softness in a warrior too. Let everything be movable. So easiness in your elbows, easiness in your knees, your body's in the right position. Location, location, location. (laughs) Then even though you couldn't see yourself moving if you made a video or at least moving a lot, There's movement in you. There's the possibility of movement in you because you're soft. So every inhale, even if you're holding that form, is lifting you up ever so slightly. Every exhale, resting you back in, just like a tree. (laughs) The tree is responding to the breeze. Every movement of the breeze moves the branches, moves the leaves. Every movement of your breath moves you. And then there's so much to play with. This is kind of super fundamentals. But if you put together, say, four forms and then head back to a neutral place, say all fours or down dog, there's your neutrals. So you started on all fours and shift to the side. You did a low lunge, hang around there. Maybe head back toward a runner stretch and come back. I'm just blowing through this super quickly because this will be a five-hour podcast if I just <laughs> did everything in timing here. And then cruise back around on all fours. Maybe you pause in the middle. <sighs> Other side, crawl toward your right side. So much that left foot slides forward and all the way back and back to your center eventually. So a few forms, and then back to center feels okay. There's some stability there. Then maybe the next sequence, you do something on one side, something on the other side. Maybe it's a little bit longer. Whoa, that's a big change. Maybe you do the exact same sequence, but you add one movement at the end of it before you come back to your center. That's a big change. (laughs) Little changes in movements are big changes in feeling. So you did your low lunge, your runner stretch, you come back, maybe a single leg forward bend. Maybe you come back to low lunge, big inhale, high lunge, whoa, there's your big change all the way back down. Soften that back knee down, crawl toward your open side, slide that top leg around. (sighs) Maybe you take a longer pause in your middle to acknowledge that, whoa, we just did a big thing. Now, the cool thing about this is you don't need to say all this. (laughs) You need to tell the story through the rhythm and the pacing of what you're doing. You need to know the story you're telling. I choose not to really weave in other people's poetry and other people's themes into the classes I do because there's so much already there to work with. I'm not against it. I simply appreciate that there's so much to work with, with sequencing, with rhythm, with adding on, with subtracting. The middle phrases, you've got your rights and your lefts. Your middle phrases are very centering. They could be centering and relaxing or centering and strength building. And then you can add on here and there, take away, bring it back. So... There's two books, actually, that somehow I was allowed (laughs) to write and have published widely in different languages. I just feel so lucky for that. Detailing out a lot of what I'm talking about right here, the Strala Yoga book and Guiding Strala, which essentially is our training manual published. I'm so grateful for that. I figured if you've got some knowledge, give it away. (laughs) At least put it in a book. There you go. So we talk about sequencing in sections as well. And this isn't to get hung up on hard sections or numbers at all, but you need to organize it somehow. So we organized it in waves. And about an hour-long class, you can have eight waves. We kind of figured this out. So the first wave is that... Something's happening here. You know, maybe you do a right and a left and an even. And then your next wave, maybe it's a right, a left, a right, a left, right and a left. So you've got that momentum. You're building somewhere. Then maybe your next wave is a right, a left, and an even, but you're working on something, building strength. Maybe that's some handstand rocking. Maybe that's holding a forearm plank. And so on, and so on, and so on. And really, there's this build that you can take the structure of for a more energetic, strong kind of practice. The Structure works for anything, though. You can take it for a more gentle practice. You're still telling a story. It's not blah, blah. <laughs> You know, gentle practice isn't all just lying down with no color. Ah, <sighs> You've got this big hip release, then you're rolling around here, and then you're lying down and arresting And then you're coming back to do something also easy, but interesting. (laughs) So there's so much to play with. The pauses and the lack of pauses are so big as well. Between your phrases, between your sides. Are you resting or are you continuing to build that momentum? There's so much there. and. If you're building your own flow, I would let yourself really explore and play and just move for a while without any real plan. Thankfully, now we have these phones. We can kind of film ourselves and see, what did I do? You don't have to worry about writing it down or anything like that. See what you did and then notice how it made you feel and then go back and see if you can do something similar, but change it a little bit just like your favorite book, your favorite story, your favorite piece of music, your favorite painting. Everything has structure that leads to feeling. Just so beautiful. And when you get really into it, if you do, <laughs> if you're like me, you start thinking about, well, what am I doing before the class? What's my movement before I come down to the ground and begin? Okay, that can be a movement too. I'm walking around my space, starting to connect with my breath and body a bit more. I like to call this wave zero. (laughs) You're beginning. It's super important if you're leading a class, whether online or in person, to be really mindful about that wave zero. Otherwise, you're just plugging and playing whatever your normal habits are all day long without that mindfulness. It's such an opportunity, you come to the studio, take off your shoes, get cozy, or push play if you're practicing online with somebody. Take a few breaths. Acknowledge whoever is hanging around in a normal way, however that makes sense for you. You walk around and you start putting your attention on yourself if you're alone or on others and yourself at the same time. That's the the beauty of guiding in the world where burnout doesn't exist. If you're leaning off your center and your attention is outside of yourself and not on your center, then of course you're going to get burned out in two seconds. (laughs) That's why it happens so often. We're all doing so much in a not-centered way. So maybe you are doing too much. That's totally possible. But taking that off the table for the moment, bring yourself back to center. Literally move your body back to your center. Are you leaning forward towards somebody you're talking to? Well, that's not doing them any good, and it's not doing you any good. So bring yourself back to yourself. Take a few breaths. Be with yourself in the presence of others. Practice in the presence of others. Arrange your sequence so it's useful for you. Maybe this is a helpful tip as well. Instead of thinking, okay, I need to work my arms, I need to work my abs, I need to work my legs, whatever that is. Think about how you want to feel and arrange your sequence around that. This is why, so silly simply, we came up with the titles of our yoga classes over 10 years ago, almost 20 years ago, my goodness. And at the time, this was kind of unheard of, I suppose. (laughs) I don't know why it seems so simple. We called our classes Strong, Energize, Relax, Gentle. (laughs) And it became such a joke. People would say, after a relaxed class, oh, I feel so relaxed. (laughs) That's the name of the class. Or literally, after an energized, I feel so energized. So this is not an accident. On purpose, I design the movements, the rhythm, the pacing, how I'm in the room around that vibe of energize. I don't need to pretend. I don't need to emote, energize. I can't do that, you know? (laughs) it's That's a pretend thing. Pretending, I can imagine, is exhausting. So better to just... (sighs) be yourself. (laughs) Ask yourself, what are the movements that help you feel energized? And do that. And if you're guiding others, same thing. You don't need to guide a class that you've seen somebody else guide exactly. Even if you love that class, you're going to make it your own just by the fact of you being you. So the timing, the pacing, the breath, the movements are going to vary. A lot of astrolog guides around the world Lead very similar classes, but they all feel so drastically different. We don't have set choreography like Zumba and other methods like that. We have a common goal of helping ourselves feel better and a co created project of how can we get there through practice, through movement, through connection. So the movements don't need to change that much. If you've ever studied dance or music or anything in the arts, you've learned this. You go to your class, you go to your practice, and you do the same thing. And there's little variations here and there. And it always is completely different. So when I'm putting together classes for the Strala Yoga app, I'm always thinking of what's going on with myself, my own little life here, (laughs) I'm reading a little bit of what's going on with everyone else that I'm connected to. I'm reading books. I'm going outside. I'm doing the simple things. It sounds so silly to explain this. I'm doing the simple things to take care of myself, the simple things that I enjoy. So all of this information is also a part of what I'm doing, but I'm not lecturing what I think the world should be doing beyond leading the movements well, beyond taking good care of yourself, beyond moving from your center, using your breath-body connection. Because when you do that, you don't need a lecture. You will do the right things. And that's what I love. You will do the right things for yourself, for your family, for your community, for the world. You will be inspired To be better, not from me, but from the ingredients of softness, from the ingredients of your breath body connection, from the ingredients of your body position, and from my sequencing, my thinking about that, my arranging it together. So essentially, I think of myself as a conductor. I lead these sequences all together with a beautiful orchestra. Everybody's playing their instruments. And I have the privilege of basking in it while I'm participating as well. And that's the same if you're simply on your own leading yoga with yourself. If you're a person that does yoga but doesn't lead yoga, you're leading yourself. So I tend to talk in the leading terms, but really I'm, I'm having that in mind that we're all leading ourselves and we're all leading each other. So this isn't really meant exclusively for folks out there leading yoga professionally or for fun on the side. We're all leading ourselves, and each other. So if you liked this chat, this direction, let me know because I can go on and on and on and on <laughs> about all the yoga things. Let's go to a voicemail. hear from somebody else for a moment. Hi, Tara. How are you? I was wondering if you could talk about face yoga. Would you think about it? I feel that a lot of time I hold a lot of tension in my face and of course moving with yoga is very helpful, but what do you think about practicing the face muscles? Thank you. Thank you, Nina. Oh, you sound lovely by the way. My goodness. I want to hang out with Nina. Come visit. Let me come visit you someday. We can hug together and rub our faces against each other <laughs> in a nice way. I think it comes down to how you're doing everything. If you have tension in your face, that says a lot about how you feel about things that are happening, how you're thinking about things that are happening. Ah. <sighs> There's a wonderful concept in Tai Chi called surrounding the dragon. And I love this. It's so silly to actually think about this. It makes me think of Puff the Magic Dragon or reading that book in like third grade or something. So if you meet a dragon in the forest, when this happens, you don't want to come right up to the dragon because of course the dragon will breathe fire on you and you will be destroyed. But if you want to make friends with the dragon, can walk around to the side of the dragon, can give the dragon some space, take care of yourself nearby the dragon, bring the dragon some tea eventually. And maybe you sit down, not directly in front of the dragon to challenge this particular fire-breathing dragon, make him be friends with you, make her be friends with you, but you sit to the side a little bit And you surround the dragon. And now you have yourself a dragon friend. (laughs) So this makes me think of face yoga. Tension in the face is tension everywhere. So I don't want to demonize the practice of face yoga where you do certain things to your face. And you enjoy that, I think that's fine. That's my my one opinion about that. I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that from a, will this hurt you point of view? There's plenty of things in the world that'll hurt you. You know, tension and stress will hurt you much more than doing face yoga. So go on with your face yoga and enjoy. But also how can we relax all of ourselves? So if we're doing some face yoga, if we're pressing into our forehead, if we're giving ourselves some gentle acupressure, things like that, we're not doing it in a stressful way. We're not doing it in a, oh, relax the jaw, jaw, relax. We're surrounding our face by breathing big and deep, rolling around. taking some nice, big, full breaths and giving ourselves some space. So whether you're applying face yoga to your relaxing practice or you're lying down for a few moments during the day to relax or you're doing some more invigorating movements to energize and to build strength in your body and your being, I would encourage you to do them in a way where you include your whole self. You don't isolate your face and say, face, why are you so tense? We don't want to be at war with certain parts of ourselves. We don't want to be at war with ourselves at all. We want to create harmony, create joy, create flow, create peace. And we can do that every moment we have a breath. So hopefully that's useful, Nina and anyone else. Let's do some breathing to close out here. Maybe this will relax our faces as well. Maybe this is helpful for a moment. I'll share something personal. For years... And Sam Berlin made fun of me for this. I used to raise my eyebrows. It was like a little facial twitch I had. And it started to happen when I started to get busy and things were going well, but I was busy and flying around the world and just had a lot going on. So I would raise my eyebrows to try to, uh, you know, I I did it so often that I didn't realize I was doing it. So of course, Sam Berlin being a Shiatsu master and an observer of how people move themselves said to me one day, huh, Tara sure seem to be moving your face a lot. (laughs) And this is super common. I see people do this all the time and it reminds me of that period of my life and how it was not fun for me to do it, but I couldn't stop it. And, I tried to stop it. I remember making it a resolution. I'm going to stop doing this on this day. It was almost an addiction. And eventually, it went away. And now I don't do any of that. And the only thing that's changed, life is busy. There's more going on now than before we have a small person. (laughs) So time is more limited got a lot going on. I enjoy having a lot going on, but it's the same amount of busy. But my practice has deepened in this breath body connected way. I know now that noticing how I feel and doing something about it is important, is more important than just moving forward with the sake of momentum to just get things done. So maybe that's useful as well. This practice has helped me (laughs) quite a bit. And that's not in a, you should do it too. It's in a, "Eh, it's a good idea. Give it a try. Let me know. This is why I continue to share. Yourself roll around here a little bit. Side to side or forward and back. Your whole self. Relax a little bit, chill out a little bit. Watch your breath move through you, moving you. Take a big inhale. Long exhale. One more, big inhale. Long exhale. Let everything rest for a bit. When you're ready, gently open your eyes. Welcome back. (sighs) Thanks for listening along. Thanks for practicing along. Thanks for, most importantly, taking good care of you. So have a wonderful day. (sighs) Keep breathing. Keep connecting with your breath and body, all of you together. We need you. We need you connected. And let me know how it goes.